Hi, this is John Leahy. Thanks so much for tuning in to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing. On the major platforms like Apple and Spotify, we come out with brand new episodes every Wednesday with refreshing content. So I thank you for your support. And again, you're listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. And I encourage you to subscribe. Thanks and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks again for taking the time to be with us on the podcast. This is a bonus podcast episode. It wasn't originally scheduled, but uh, I decided to do a bonus episode to touch on the upcoming Hockey East playoffs, which will be starting this coming Wednesday night. I want to thank my guest from last week, Rob Kennedy, the radio voice of Dartmouth men's and women's hockey, also the television voice. And uh, we'll have Chuck Caton, former voice of the Hartford Whalers, coming on on Tuesday. So a uh, busy time here on the podcast. And so I wanted to also let you know that uh, you can visit uh, storytelling.com. That is the website we have for the podcast. Uh, you can catch any episode we've done. You can also uh, leave a voice message. There's a purple microphone at the lower right-hand corner of each page. You can also leave a review, zero to five stars, or a written review. There's also a, a blog up there and some videos. So please feel free to check that out, LeahyStorytelling.com. My distinguished guest on this bonus episode of the podcast, Mike Macknick, who is uh, the color analyst alongside uh, myself on the Merrimack broadcast of men's hockey, and uh, our esteemed public address announcer, Ian Beauchene, who has covered uh, the league extensively. In his time, uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for being here on this special episode. Thanks course, for having John. us, John. Yeah, thanks, John. All right, guys, we're going to get right into it. Uh, the Hockey East playoff picture was finalized uh, after the conclusion of the games last night. I'd like to take a look at all three of the first-round games with you gentlemen. We'll also take a look at the overall field and see where things are. And I'd like to get both of your thoughts on the upcoming games, first of all, we'll start with the 11 versus 6 matchup. The Vermont Catamounts will take on the main Black Bears. The Catamounts will head to Orono. The game is Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Mike Macknick, I'm going to start with you. We saw Vermont last night with Merrimack, a 4-1 to win for the Warriors. Uh, let's get your thoughts on how you might think this Vermont-Maine game will play out. 
Yeah, well, let's see. So uh, Maine did win the only two meetings between the two teams this year, but they were both at Vermont. So Vermont actually hasn't visited Maine yet this year. This will be the first time, and of course, it'll be a playoff game. And uh, just looking at uh, the way things are going here, I, Vermont, of course, with a split in their last weekend, they won over UNH on the road uh, the other night and then uh, lost to Merrimack last night. But Maine losing their two games at home to UMass, probably not the way they want to be going into the playoffs, but I still just have to look at the fact that you know, Victor Osman's had such a terrific year for them uh, in goal. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he ends up making one of the All-Hockey East teams. Uh, Devin Levi from Northeastern seems like a runaway uh, pick for first team, but I could see Victor Osman getting in there in second team, perhaps. And uh, he's he's definitely had a strong team, uh, strong season, and You've also got the fact that Lyndon Bean, Lyndon Breen has had a, an outstanding year, leading Hockey East in goals. He's uh, in, in, in conference play, at least. And we saw, of course, how good he was in the game against Merrimack just a few weeks back. Um, I just think Maine bounces back from those two losses. And uh, and and also keeping in mind that they're, um, besides the fact that they've got good goaltending, their power play has ended up second best in the league. And, you know, they've been able to get goals on special teams, obviously, um, and then, you know, we, we know on shorthand, they can be dangerous too. Um, so I just have to think that, that Maine seems to have the edge there. Vermont, I feel, as I said last night during the broadcast, you know, there's definitely a lot of things to be excited about there, but they probably, you know, at least a year away. Um, but it's still going to be interesting to see what happens when, when Vermont goes up there to Maine. All right, Ian, uh, what are your thoughts on this Vermont, uh, Maine series? The Catamounts certainly will be the underdogs. Uh, do you think they can pull this out? Well, so I, at the beginning of the year, uh, looking at the preseason poll, I went back last night, you know, following the end of the season to see where everybody kind of lined up. And uh, I had Maine penciled in in the bottom portion of the league. I had Vermont there as well. Um, so it's not really all that surprising. Looking at these teams uh, during the regular season, 0-2, uh, those losses for Vermont both came up at Maine. So unfortunately... Um, they got to travel back up to a place that wasn't friendly to them earlier this season. Um, last five games, as Mike mentioned, um, big win, uh, for them a couple of weeks ago, but the last handful of games, tough one last night. It's, it's a team that has some promise. Um, I, I like where they're heading. Um, it's just not the right time and not the right place. And, and Alphon has always been a great, great venue from the stories I've heard from folks around the league and playoff atmosphere is only sure to intensify that. I like the, I like the black bears in this one um, against the uh, Catamounts. All right. Now does Vermont take a look at the UMass main uh, game, both of these games this past weekend, did the Catamounts try to take a look at the video and try to extract maybe something that UMass was successful with uh, as they play uh, up in Maine, Mike? It's an interesting question. I mean, we'll talk about UMass in a bit, I'm sure. I think that probably has more to do with UMass um, finding their game here at the end of the year as a more experienced team that's been there, you know, played in big games, and they're realizing now that they're in that kind of situation. Um, so, you know, so I don't think that – I don't think that Maine necessarily has to. I mean, they still ended up sixth in the league. And uh, so I don't think that Maine's going to be too concerned about that. But as far as Vermont, um, you know, they're still going to have, I think, the same same situation they'll be in where goals have been tough to come by and they're going up against a pretty good goaltender in Osman. So 
that'll be a tough battle for them, I think. Um, you know, while you mentioned UMass having had success up there, they Vermont doesn't have the type of um, not not that UMass has the kind of scores that they've had in recent years, but they still have enough this year, I think, to be dangerous. And so, you know, Vermont's going to have to find a way to get some some goaltending, some uh, and keep the score low, but also get some big goals that they're going to need. And and like Ian said, that's a tough place to play. I think Maine, especially, you got the potential there for for a big crowd, knowing that it's a playoff game. I don't don't know when the last time was Maine hosted a playoff game, but uh, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere, no question about it. And that's going to be a, a tough place, I think, to go in and win. Ian, I think Vermont's going to have an interesting uh, situation as far as goaltending. Gabe Carrier has uh, carried the load for the Catamounts, but we saw Oscar Audio last night. He had a terrific game against Merrimack. So I think Todd Woodcroft is going to have some an interesting decision to make there. Yeah, that's actually the second second time now we've seen Oscar Audio come into Merrimack with a visiting opponent. Because if you remember, a handful of years ago, he came in uh, when he was out in Happy Valley with Penn State, he played uh, came in and played against the Warriors. I believe the Penn State took the swept the weekend series, um, and it wasn't even close. And I think he played pretty well for the Nittany Lions that weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not surprised when he came in there last night and played relatively well. But it just again it goes to speak to how young that team is in front of him and how they're still trying to learn who they are overall as a group and where they're trying to he uh, head. I, I think they see that direction. Um, and unfortunately, it just it won't be with audio in the net going forward. It will be with uh, Carrier and or uh, another member of their goaltending class coming forward. So um, I do think it will be audio that gets the start um, on Wednesday night up at Maine. Um, but that's just from my uh, side of things, Mike. I don't know if you think uh, it'll be audio as well, which way Woodcroft leans. Yeah, interesting question, because uh, I did think he played well last night, but at the same time, his team didn't win. Of course, they were playing a better team than they were playing the other night when they played UNH. But, you know, there's there's something to the idea of, you know, going back with a guy who won a game, right? So even though they had to come back and win that game at UNH, I could probably see him leaning to his carrier, but I feel like, you know, I feel like either one of them is going to give them, you know, decent goaltending. The question is going to be, you know, do, will they need to stand on their head? Will they do what they need to do? I don't think Vermont would be able to win a high scoring game, for instance, but, um, you know, they'll need to keep the scoring low. So that's certainly going to be a key. All right. Uh, I think Maine's going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the home ice uh, will help Maine, even though it's a Wednesday night. I'm anticipating a big crowd at Alphonse Arena, even though it is a Wednesday, but it's, it's playoff hockey. So I think Maine will uh, will advance in that game. Let's move on to the 10-7 matchup. And I'm going to start with you, Ian, on this one. The UNH Wildcats take on the Providence Friars. I think this is going to be a difficult matchup for Providence, particularly if Phillips Fedback uh, cannot play. Fedback was injured in the Friday night game at BU. And he is obviously a big piece in goal for Providence. UNH gave Providence a tough battle this year in the three-game series. It's a Wednesday night down at Schneider Arena, 7 o'clock. Let's get your thoughts on UNH Providence. Yeah, so first things first, the three team, uh they played three times this year, uh, one, one, and one across the board. Uh, should be noted, the one win for New Hampshire was a 2-0 uh, shutout win for 
UNH, uh, that came uh, January 6th. So it was just after the start of the new year. Uh, the two other times that UNH and Providence met was early on in the season. Uh, a shootout win for the Friars at New Hampshire, and then a 3-1 to win for Providence at home on the 29th of October. Um, I, I had Providence finishing in seventh, um, so this is the game that I thought they would be involved in here in the first round. Um, I had them facing Vermont. But uh, this is a New Hampshire team that's played uh, well down the stretch of their schedule. They lost. Uh, I'm trying to just pull up the second half of their schedule here. Um, lost to UConn last weekend, excuse me, and then lost to Vermont the other night. Um uh, Picked up a pair of shootout wins up at Maine, so they know how to go on the road and win and win good games. And I think, I think they have a sh- as good a shot of any um, team in the first round here to go on the road and win a first round game. And uh, Mike McMahon also said that to uh, us the other night as well. Um, I-, I like the Wildcats in an upset special here in the first round. Mike Providence is two seven and one in their last ten games. So the Friars are sort of limping to the finish line here. And uh, let's get your take on this Wildcats-Friars game Wednesday night. Yeah, I think you got a couple of teams here that are not quite entering the playoffs on the kind of uh, run that they would like to be on. Um, you know, you mentioned Providence, and uh, the goaltending situation is going to be interesting um, with Austin Roden having come in in relief on the Friday night game. And, and of course, uh, B won that game to end up winning the regular season. Uh, Roden allows four goals. Um, you have to think that the injury, I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information on how Spedback's doing, but the, uh, the, the fact that they had to come back with Roden the next night, I think is, uh, you know, maybe an indication that Spedback is injured enough that he might not be able to go on Wednesday. Um, so on the other hand, Roden, uh, played very well in the Saturday night game and losing only two to nothing. So he's only played five games this year, but you know he may end up being the guy. It wouldn't be the first time that a, a, you know a team has had to go to other than the guy who's really been their starter throughout the year. You know, you know once you get into the playoffs, I mean, I'm actually thinking back to that Merrimack team in 1998 where Tom Welby didn't start very many games during the regular season, but ended up getting the call in the first game of the playoffs at. Uh, BU, which was number one in the country at that point, and ended up winning that game. And Merrimack went on to win the series at BU. So, um, you know, it can happen. Uh, no question about it. The thing with Providence is they've been so up and down and so inconsistent throughout the season, and, and scoring has been um, an issue of late. And, and including in the games against UNH, they they split the season series one one and one, but um, the, uh, Providence only scored five goals in the, in the three games, the, although so did, so did UNH, I, I think, uh, similar, but, um, you know, you've got a couple of teams here. Like I said, I, I don't think that UNH coming off of the loss at home to Vermont is quite where they want to be. They had six wins in a row. If you, if you include the shootout wins they had against Maine a couple of weeks back, uh, before losing in the last couple of weeks to UConn and Vermont, they've only scored five goals in their last four games. So, um, that's been an issue for UNH and you've got, you know, like I said, a couple of teams that probably wish they were playing better than they have been lately. BU, uh, Providence had to play BU on the last weekend. So that was a tough matchup for them. Um, 
I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm not really sure what to expect. Maybe the thing I would look to is Providence has more experience, especially up front with guys like Ford and Berard, uh, Nick Poisson in particular. Um, they've got four 20 point scorers. So guys that I'm sure they're going to lean on now that they're at the point where it's one and done, you know, you win and you go on or you lose and your season's over. Providence's only regulation win since uh, January 13th was uh, a win at Vermont on February 5th. So, you know, they haven't won in regulation for some time. They've only won that one game over the last almost two months. And that was the eight, three win that, that they had at Merrimack. So a couple of teams, I don't really, I'm not really sure what to expect here. I mean, I could see reasons why either team could perhaps uh, step up here. I tend to give the edge to Providence because of that experience. Like I mentioned, um, I also think that, you know, Roden played well in that last game. If he does get the call, there's, and he's a senior as well. So there's that added uh, mindset as well. A guy who is, you know, close to playing his last game perhaps. And the way that the team plays in front of him to try to make sure that they shut things down. And uh, they were able to do that again in that game against Boston university. They're going to be at home again here against UNH. So I think this could no question be an upset. If you say number 10 knocking off number seven, but I give the slight edge to Providence in this one. And the player you, you didn't mention is Patrick Moynihan. I mean, he's one of the best uh, special teams players in the country, at least in hockey East. So in the special teams battle, I think he's really going to give Providence an edge. But I think it comes down to whether Svedback is healthy. I think if he plays, uh, I think Providence will win the game. If he doesn't, I think UNH will. Uh, this game, this is one of those games that could go, could go into overtime, double overtime. Uh, you know, I, I think it could go either way. I'll just say, John, I, I am very happy that I will have multiple streaming platforms available in order to access all three uh, quarterfinal games on Wednesday night because I think we get three terrific matchups that uh, are certainly going to warrant watching from start to finish. Indeed. Let's get to the 8-9 matchup because this really intrigues me. Uh, UMass taking on Boston College. Uh, UMass finished strong with the sweep up at Maine. Uh, Boston College has been playing better as of late. And the Eagles always seem to figure it out this time of year, although uh, BC had two uh, rugged games uh, against UConn this weekend. The Eagles were able to lock up the eighth seed uh, earlier in the week. Mike, I'll start with you. Uh, this UMass-BC game really is intriguing for a lot of reasons, isn't it? Yeah, the 8-9 matchup usually is the one that you would expect to be the closest, and that, that may end up being the case, although you know we talked about the 7-10 game. That could be as well, but... Um, interesting things to note here about this matchup include that BC has the top power play in hockey East and they've got a guy in Carter Gauthier, the, uh, freshman is certainly going to make the all rookie team might potentially have been the rookie of the year, if not for late Hudson, uh, Lane Hudson at BU. But, um, you know, this is a team that can score goals when they need to, they've done it, uh, down the stretch here. Um, and they've beaten UMass three times this year. On the other hand, I'm going to look at intangibles in this game and the fact that it's a UMass team that while they don't quite have uh, the scores, you know, they, they've started to feel some of the, the uh, you know, as other teams around them, as, as they continued their rise here, as other teams around UMass have, have lost players to the pros and so on, UMass has started to have that happen as well. And so they didn't quite have the roster. I think they would have liked to have this year, um, you know, leading scoring, uh, leading score being a defensive uh, defenseman and Scott Morrow with 31 points. But Kenny Connors having a great season with 26 points. 
they only had one regulation win in their last six games before uh, pulling off the sweep up at Maine this weekend and going up there on the road to win those two games. I think that is a good sign that UMass is pulling it together at the right time of year. They're going to throw the records out the window. They don't care about that. They don't care about the fact that they lost all three times against BC this year. I see UMass pulling what would you know, technically be considered an upset because it would be the road team. But, you know, UMass is one of those teams that I, I think is very dangerous and keep an eye on going into the playoffs. Ian, how important is this game, is the fact that this game is at Chestnut Hill? Yes and no. I think we see that factor in a little bit around the league right now. Anyways, most schools are on spring break, so there's not that standard – home ice advantage at this point of the season that you would tend to expect nowadays you're getting schools tend to take spring break right around this time of the year the first or second week of march or what have you merrimack's not going to have students on campus so to speak living there or you know going about their daily semester uh you know activities on saturday next week when they host a hockey game um so I don't I don't know about Boston College or anything like that, but you know the fact that it's in the city or it's you know just outside of Boston is probably a little more helpful. You might get a few more fans. You might get a little bit larger of a capacity. It gives UMass fans a chance to travel from Western Mass into the city. To, you know, maybe use a few hours of sick time. You know, they develop a, <clears throat> a slight cough on Wednesday afternoon and they got to head to the doctors early, and it gives them a chance to go to you know catch a game in the city. You know, it might help that way. Um, Boston College, you know, as Mike mentioned, swept B, uh, swept UMass three times, uh, three wins this season. Um, UMass is finishing on the high note with the, the two wins up at Maine. And as we just got finished saying about Maine a few minutes ago, that's a tough place to win a hockey game at this time of the year. So you got to tip your cap to them in that in that aspect. But um I don't know that you mentioned the Providence in New Hampshire game, potentially going overtime. I think this one has OT written all over it. If not more than one. Yeah. I mean, I can't pick a winner. Uh, you know, UMass showed me a lot this weekend with that sweep over Maine. Um, this eight, nine matchup is very, very intriguing. It, it has the potential to be uh, the best game of the three. I think all three are going to be fantastic, but uh, guys, I just can't pick a winner. I, I'm just torn. I got to go with UMass, I think, as the uh, the more experienced team, the team that's been there. Remember, this is a team that's only one year removed from winning a Hockey East championship. And going through that, uh, they still have a lot of guys back from that team. And I, I think they're going to lean on that in this game. All right, let's jump ahead to the uh, quarterfinal matchup that we know about. And that's going to feature the UMass Lowell Riverhawks taking on the UConn Huskies. Now, these two teams were jockeying back and forth uh, for the four and five uh, seeding positions in Hockey East. Uh, UConn ultimately won out to have this game at home in their brand new arena in stores. Another intriguing matchup. And uh, Ian, I'll start with you. Again, Lowell is a team that we just saw recently. Merrimack was able to gain a split over the Riverhawks. Lowell uh, bounced back on Friday night with a big win over Northeastern. Now, how do you see this Lowell-UConn game uh, playing out? Yeah, so it's injured. We, I I went and took in their game on Friday night against uh, Northeastern down in Lowell. Lowell with the victory there actually helped propel Merrimack into securing that second seed. So, um, 
it was nice to go down there and see Northeastern fall short. Um, it's a little hockey team that has struggled to put the puck in the back of the net this year. Um, and we've talked about it in different times before, whether that stems from maybe just losing guys in Andre Lee uh, last year. He, he left. Uh, Matt Brown left and transferred, went to Boston University. Those are two big names and two big parts of what the UMass Lowell offense was last year. Um, the teams went one-on-one against each other this season. Uh, the Riverhawks won a Friday night overtime contest back in November um, in Lowell, and then UConn responded the following afternoon with a 4-2 to win, uh, that down at the XL Center. Now, again, this is going to be played uh, at the new Toscano Family Arena on campus and stores, so um, not going to be the chance to get as big of a crowd um, as you maybe would at the XL Center. Um, UConn, their last five games, three and two. UMass Lowell, their last five, two and three. So this one, again, um, potential flip of a coin. And again, UConn picked up three points on Saturday. Lowell fell short at Northeastern. That's why this one's going to be in Connecticut and not in Lowell. All right, Mike, let's get your thoughts. Uh, UConn was very impressive in the first half of the year, sort of a roller coaster there in the middle. Uh, but the Huskies uh, look primed for a deep playoff run. But when you're playing a Norm Bazan coach team, uh, it's going to be a battle for 60-plus minutes. Let's get your thoughts on Lowell UConn. Yeah, again, you know, we like to look at how the teams matched up when they did play against each other. And it's been quite some time back in November that they played and they split a couple of games with – UConn winning 4-2 and then uh, Lowell winning 3-2 at home. Each team won at home there. But um, another thing, uh, you know, maybe uh, sort of an intangible, I guess, is the fact that UConn did get this game at home by virtue of winning against BC in their last game of the regular season last night. So um, they are 4-0 in that rink uh, since losing the first game uh, that they played in it back in early January against Northeastern. Um, so they've made that a home. They've made that their home rank and, and they've been successful there. So that may end up being the difference there. Um, they are three and one in the last four games and they scored 19 goals in the, in those games. This is, let's remember, this is a team that has six 20 point scorers. They've been able to score goals, uh, when they've needed them. Um, but they've also allowed them at times. So, you know, it, despite winning three of those last four, they did have given up 14 in those four games. I don't think that can continue for a long run in the playoffs, but um, you know, the fact that they, they have such a deep roster, especially up front and, and guys that they know they can lean on to get goals, uh, depend on to get goals like Wood, uh, you know, as a freshman leading them in scoring, we've seen that for, for a few teams this year, that a freshman being the leading scorer, but 33 points from him. And of course, Ryan Torberg is just outstanding. Uh, you know, we expect expected from the beginning of the year that he would have a good year. And he has with 15 goals and uh, other guys like Hudson Shander have been great. So um, it just feels like, you know, you, you compare the fact that they've got six guys with 20 points or more. Lowell's got one, Carl Berglund. And they're really going to have to have other guys step up to be able to, I think, to get the goals they need. Or kind of like some of the other games that we talked about, they've got to keep the score low. And so then the question, I think, becomes who gets a start in net for Lowell? Um, you know, is it going to be Henry Welsh? Is it going to be uh, Gustav Griggles? Um, 
you know, they both played in that last game against Northeastern. And actually, it looks like Norm went to all three of his goaltenders, including uh, giving uh, Evan yeah. Norton some yeah. time. To, yeah. So that'll be that'll be really interesting to see what happens. I also don't know what UConn's going to do. Are they going to play Turnus or Sergeyev? You know, again, you know, both these guys have had decent years, but they've also at times allowed some goals. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think that uh, and Lowell coming in, having lost three of the last four, the, the, the win on Friday against Northeastern was big going down to Northeastern on the final game of the regular season was always going to be a tough battle. Um, but th th that game probably left a, a tough uh, taste in their mouth. Lowell tends to respond, tend to, to bounce back and, and play better after they've had a, a rough game like that. So I think that'll be another thing that'll make this an interesting game. I don't know. This one I think is, is, is closer to a toss up than some people might think. Um, also because of the fact that Lowell has found ways, you know, to, to win games and, and, uh, you know, coaching is certainly an aspect there with, uh, Norm Basin and the way that he's found ways to be able to, to get, um, you know, get wins out of his team. Um, I don't know. This is, a, this is a toss up to me. I think maybe I'd give UConn the edge, just seeing the fact that they seem to have had that kind of success at home. But I don't think it's going to be easy. Not not by a long shot. It just seems uh, just seems wrong that the season is going to end for one of these teams. Uh, the losing team is going to be bounced. Uh, neither team is high enough in the pairwise to make it in. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be an all out war. Lowell and UConn. And again, that's uh, that's too close to call uh, from from my point of view. Let's talk about the three remaining teams that are in the hockey's tournament we've talked about uh the teams from slots four to 11 we'll go in order from the top let's take a look at the uh, boston university terriers who uh won the regular season championship in hockey's the terriers of course will play the lowest seed coming out of the first round uh you know, BU was very, very good, Ian, for a large stretch of the year. They hit a little bump in the road. They lost a couple of games at the Beanpot. They got swept by Merrimack, but they seem like they've written the ship. Uh, a lot of people say BU is going to be the toughest out out of these 11 teams. Yeah, they, they certainly are. Finishing the first spot really does give you that honor. You know, you, you'll be the toughest out. Uh, but I, I look at that little stretch of time during the you know, the bean pot. And then also you mentioned the two, the two games against Merrimack. BU is very beatable. This team is beatable is, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of offensive firepower. We, we certainly know that. I mean, they got uh, Hudson and Skoog uh, back end. They have a goaltender and drew Camessa, who's been fantastic for them at times this season. Um, you know, Coach Pandolfo certainly got that program heading uh, in the right direction. Um, but that stretch during the bean pot showed that this team definitely, as good as they are, the highs are their highs, but their lows are definitely low. And this BU team is beatable. And I'm just looking at the numbers. Uh, they lost. Uh, they picked up a win just prior to the bean pot. They scored one goal in their loss against Northeastern. They scored two goals in the loss to the in the consolation game against um, Boston College. The one in the loss at Merrimack. So I mean, if they're not scoring four, five, six goals a night, they're just they're just simply not winning low scoring and you know close hockey games 
during difficult stretches. Mike, let's get your thoughts on BU. Well, we talked about Lane Hudson. I mean, he's going to be the player of the year and the rookie of the year, I think. Um, might be able to make a case for some other players for player of the year, but I mean, he leads the conference in scoring and he's a freshman and he's a defenseman. <laughs> I, I, I think that he ends up winning both those awards and, and you kind of have to start there, but it's not just him, obviously. We've talked about other guys. I mean, just think about the fact that coming into the season, uh, Dominic Fensori was uh, considered one of the top defenders in the league. He still is. But then Lane Hudson comes in and really kind of steals the thunder there. But it also, you know, speaks to the depth that they have um, throughout their lineup. Uh, you know, what do they have? Five uh, NHL draft picks that, that they're skating on defense every night. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, and, and a bunch more up front. And they've been able to, I think, you know, kind of like Ian said, like you said, right the ship there um, with the last four games that they played. It's kind of interesting to look at the fact that in that stretch where they they lost the two Beanpot games, they lost the two games to Merrimack. They scored, what, seven goals in those four games. That's, you know, for a team that's been averaging four goals a game and they were held to under two on average in those four games. But then they bounced back since then with, what, 16 now in the last four. So I guess they're averaging right at that four goal uh, a game mark. And if they're able to do that, that's that, you know, teams aren't going to be able most teams i think aren't going to be able to win a shootout again against them at the same time it may have more to do with matchups than than anything else because you look at what could end up happening well first of all if all the top seeds advance on wednesday night and and i don't know that they will i, I won't be surprised to see at least one upset but let's say that happens well they're going to get boston college in the uh, in that quarterfinal yeah. game on saturday a team that they split four games with yeah. during the regular season including the bean pot and gave up nine goals in one of those games so um that would make things really interesting you know bc looks like a team that if if somebody can beat bu bc looks like a team that could do that um if umass ends up winning that game let's say even though BC, uh, even though, I mean, uh, BU won the three games in the regular season against UMass, you know, I mentioned a little while ago how I feel like you you have to, you have to look at experience and, and what teams have been able to do in the past, especially when they have a, a lot of players returning with that experience. And, you know, I could see UMass just saying, you know, the heck with those three games that we lost in the regular season, uh, you know, it's a whole new season, a whole new season here in the playoffs. And, and, you know, that's especially the type of team that I think that, you know, could give give BU some trouble in the playoffs. I know they didn't really give them any trouble in the three one-sided wins for BU in the regular season, but it, it's it, you throw those out. Head coaching yeah. experience, also, Mike. Right? You got to think that might have a little bit of experience. Sure, great has been there. Yeah, I mean that's a really good point. Uh, of course, you know Jay Pandolfo. You know, you could look at the fact that he's. Uh, you know, quote unquote, rookie coach here in hockey East, but he's got had so much experience. So, you know, he has been there, including at the NHL level, but, um, you know, not as a head coach, but still been there, you know, in, in terms of big games and, and coaching uh, teams and, and having to find ways to get wins. So uh, it's going to make things really interesting. The matchup again, I think could have more to do with it than anything else, but let's say that you know, UNH pulls that upset at Providence that we talked about and suppose UNH and as the the lowest remaining seed and ends up being the team that goes to BU well I think that would be you know not to take anything away from UNH I think it would be a better bat matchup for BU than um you know than either of the other two teams that we mentioned so it's probably going to come down to matchups more than anything else but there's no question as the as the number one seed and the team that won the regular season that BU is going to go into the playoffs as the favorite all right Mike let's go on to the uh, number two seed the Merrimack Warriors uh, absolutely terrific first half of the season uh, from Christmas on. 
the Warriors struggled, but uh, they seem to have written uh, written uh, the ship. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Righted the ship. Righted the uh, ship. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Merrimack has won five in a row. They are the hottest team in hockey East right now. And the question is, can the Warriors sustain that momentum as they uh, go to the playoffs? Merrimack will play the second lowest seed. Uh, I imagine Scott Borek's feeling pretty good as the Warriors head into the postseason, Mike. Yeah, Ian, you want to go first on that one? Yeah, I know. It doesn't, doesn't bother me. I mean, uh, 5-0 and in their last five games. They get a 4-1 win last night against Vermont. We know that. The weekend prior, you, you, two weekends prior, you swept two nationally ranked programs in Boston University, UMass, Lowell. But, again, and, and we've talked about this time and time again this season, right, Mike, is good hockey teams need to win hockey games that you're supposed to. You're the number two seed in the postseason now, right? You need to win hockey games that you're supposed to. It just all depends on that matchup. Like we talked about with Boston University, right? If they get if they draw a team like BC in the first round, is that a good matchup for them? Looking at Merrimack's potential opponents, if they get UNH, is that a uh, the only way they would get UNH? Is I'm sorry if uh, Vermont goes on the road uh, and wins, but I mean uh, if they get UMass, eh, that's the. Another team that's been there, they've won. They know if they get a team in Providence in the seventh seed, if all the favorites win on on Wednesday night, is that a team that you necessarily want to come seeing into North Andover? A team that's been there postseason, they know how to win. They have a national title as well. It's just one of those things, right? You got to turn around. Which which uh, program are you going to see? Which team are you going to see? The team that the last five games and scored a combined. Uh, 20 goals in those five games, or are we going to see a team that allowed two shorthanded goals in the same power play up at Maine and a bad loss at Maine? Um, it, I, I, I am ecstatic. I'm happy to see this program where they are. Obviously, being someone that graduated from Merrimack and working there now for the last handful of years, it's great. I'm beyond thrilled. But you've seen both sides of the coins, as both you and John have. You just don't know. Again going to get the good you're going to get unfortunately the bad that comes along with that good um in the matchup and then potentially what team we're going to see all right mike let's get your thoughts on merrimack as we head uh, to the playoffs yeah well first of all as we were talking about honors like for hudson for uh you know annual honors i got to think that scott bork is the favorite for coach of the year um taking a team that was picked eighth and then ending up second so um you know and and um so we'll kind of we'll kind of start there in the fact that they had to, as as you guys mentioned, right the ship there after a tough stretch in the middle of the season. Um, you know, so being able to do that certainly uh, helps his case as well. But um, last five games, yeah, winning those five games, they've only allowed eight goals in those five games. And I think that's a key. Um, they actually come into the playoffs here well, having finished in the uh, regular season and in conference play. Um, they were fourth in offense. So, you know, the offense was there, uh, was, was among the better offenses in the league, but second in team defense, the only, uh, only team in the league that allowed fewer goals in hockey's play was Northeastern. Um, so that's something I think, you know, combined with the fact that, like we mentioned, they have been able to, I think, you know, you think of the games where, where they got blown out by Brown, they got blown out by Providence and giving up a lot of goals in those games blown out twice, actually by, by Providence in, in just about a couple of weeks stretch there. 
um, back a couple of months ago. They've righted the ship in that regard. And, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the goaltenders. Who do you play um, when yeah. you have one game next Saturday? Yeah. Um, we all lost has been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, we did talk about that with Scott Borg last night. He wasn't concerned. Um, you know, he's still going to um, approach it like any other game and playing the guy that he thinks uh, will give them the best chance to win. But both, both these guys have played well this, this season. Interesting to me to see that both uh, Olas and Borgiel ended up with exactly the same uh, one loss record in hockey's play. They're both eight and four. Um, Olas with the three shutouts, th there's only one guy in the league that has had more shutouts in league games and that's Levi. So, you know, he's played very, very well with the goals against under two. And I also think you come back to the experience that we talked about with some of the other teams that have been there, like you, like a UMass that have, have, you know, had a lot of guys back on the team. Providence, again, I, I look to as a team that has a lot of older players, a lot of experience there. And and Merrimack is probably the most experienced team in the league. Um, talked with Otto Villay-Lepinen about that last night. The fact that, you know, they're going to lean on guys like him, the the grad transfers they have, the seniors that they have in the team. They have, a, they have a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And also a lot of guys who remember having been in this position last year, of having been in a quarterfinal matchup and thinking, okay, we – we just, just need to win this one game and we get to play in the garden. And then they weren't able to get it done last year. I think that's something that I don't know how much they'll talk about it. Scott Bork tends to downplay stuff like that, but I got to think that players are thinking about it, at least in their mind, that they don't want to go through that again. And they've got enough guys that have been there before and enough guys that, you know, we mentioned have been able to, to score goals. They got five 20 point scores. Alex Jeffries is um, top 10 or just outside the top 10 in the country uh, in scoring. So they have a lot of, a lot of experience and uh, depth at at all positions. Really, it's going to be it's probably going to come down again to matchups. Uh, they if all the top seeds win, they would draw Providence in the quarterfinal game, a team that's beat them twice. But on the other hand, a team that they've beaten twice. So that makes that matchup very interesting. And let's remember that the two losses to Providence were uh, losses that were. Uh, Providence the games which Providence handily beat Merrimack. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and it's also interesting to me to see that and, you know we've heard other coaches talk about it too. Norm Bazin mentioned it during the series a couple of weeks ago. Todd Woodcroft from Pro, um, Vermont mentioned it that they know that Merrimack's a tough team if they get ahead, and Merrimack's been able to do that five games in a row. Score first, get on the board first, play from ahead. It just I still can't figure out why it should make such a difference, but it does. They get on the board first. They take a lead. They are a tough team. All right, guys, we only have a couple of minutes left. There's one more team to discuss, the Northeastern Huskies. They are the three seed. Ian, I'm going to start with you. You think of a team uh, in Northeastern when they when you've got Devin Levi in goal, you've got Aiden McDonough, who has been a Merrimack killer amongst all the other teams he's done well against. This Northeastern team, team is very, very tough to bet against. Absolutely. I mean, we, we saw them twice a couple of weekends ago against Merrimack. Uh, they took both games, uh, one a three to one contest and the other a one nothing game that came down to the final minutes. And that just goes to show you how good goaltending can keep you in hockey games where you get outshot heavily on a two to one margin. Um, Northeastern, I think for a lot of people, was the number one overall consensus preseason pick. Um, they finished just a couple of spots lower than that. Um, they have guys like Justin Ritzkovian, Aiden McDonough, Jaden Struble. The names are still there from the from the teams 
that have won. They have and been there. They know what to do. Don't forget Liam Walsh either, the Merrimack Liam transfer. Walsh, exactly. Yeah. Liam Walsh, the Merrimack transfer. Um, their last two game, uh, the last five games, they're three and two. Um, one of those losses coming on Friday night, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, at UMass Lowell. Um, Northeastern again, same kind of thing, right? We just talked about Merrimack as a team that's good when they play ahead. Northeastern, if they get behind, I don't know. It seems like when they trail early in hockey games or they seem to fall behind, they have trouble maybe, you know, can find ways to win. All right, Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on Northeastern? Uh, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, you're going to start with Levi, of course. Six shutouts in league play, 947 save percentage. I mean, he, he's, he might be the player of the year. I mentioned Hudson, but uh, might end up being Levi. But either way, you got those two guys from the, you know, two of the top three teams. But um, it's interesting because it seems like for Northeastern, it's been feast or famine, right? Uh, you know, either they they shut out the other team or hold them to a goal or they, they give up three or four and they, and they lose, you know? Um, so that that's what's happened uh, a lot of the times this year at the same time you know, the former has happened a lot more often than the latter. Um, you have to find ways to get goals on them. There's no question about it to be able to beat them. And that's tough. Um, and they have the the guys to be able to get enough goals to win games as well. Um, you know, seven, three win last night, they went to UMass and won four, nothing. Um, you know, they didn't score a lot of goals in the bean pop, but they got the goals they needed. Um, McDonough worries me, especially at this time of year. He he is a guy that you expect is is going to come into a game and and you know lead the team. Uh, he is one of the top forwards in the league, if not you know the best. Um, this this may you know and in, in, in terms of matchups, if if all the top seeds win again, you know you're looking at Maine going to Northeastern. I think that would be a, a tough game for Maine. Yeah. Um, they they play Northeastern plays tough in that rink. Um, Levi plays well, especially, you know, you're talking about getting into the playoffs here and, and, you know, knowing that it, again, they're another team that's in that situation. It's one and done. They have to keep winning to keep playing. And, uh, so I, I think that I could see Northeastern winning the league. No question about it. I could see them not only winning their quarterfinal game, but going to Boston, a place where they've already played and won some big games, uh, in the garden and going there and say, Hey, we're back again. We know this place. And, and using that to their advantage. So, yeah, no question about it. Uh, uh, it's going to be very, very interesting, I think. All right, Ian, before we sign off, we got to give props to the Northeastern women. Uh, I just watched the uh, selection show, and Northeastern uh, will be playing against Yale on Saturday. And if the Huskies win that game, as Northeastern has drawn a bye, uh, if they win that game, they are off to the Frozen Four in Duluth, Minnesota. Northeastern's the only hockey's team that's in the tournament. And it'll be rooting real hard for Dave Flint's squad. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Northeastern and, and the women's hockey area around here in New England, they are the top dog, pun intended. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's just you want to see them get rewarded. They were there last year. They made it to the Frozen Four. Um, they made it to the national title game a couple of years ago, fell short to Wisconsin, I believe it was. Um with Daryl Watts scoring from behind the goal line. Um, but they're a team that has just been an absolute machine. Um, they're led by Chloe Arar, uh, Alina Mueller, Maureen Murphy. You know, the names are just, they've been around here for a long, long time. And I, 
I would love to see them get rewarded for all their hard work year in and year out with that program. Yeah, Phillips, the goaltender, is special too. So there's not yep. there's not a weak link on that Northeastern team. So uh, outstanding. Guys, uh, we're out of time. Uh, I want uh, to thank you both for coming on. Enjoy the games Wednesday night. And uh, I'm interested to see who Merrimack's opponent will be next Saturday. It's going to be an outstanding tournament. And, uh, guys, thanks so much for being here on the podcast in this bonus episode. Yeah, thanks, John. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, Ian, as well. Uh, always fun to talk hockey with you guys. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Best time of the year is here, gentlemen. Playoff hockey is uh, is, is a lot of fun. Yes, All right. Is. Don't forget, Chuck Caton, the former voice of the Hartford Whalers, will be with me on Tuesday. We'll continue our talk on Classic NHL Arena. We'll play Brass Bonanza, I hope? Uh, yes, we will. We always do. <laughs> All right, great. All right, so uh, thanks for tuning in to this edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Chuck Caton coming up on Tuesday, and uh, thanks again for tuning in. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, Rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.